0: Welcome to the Celebration Church Tri-Cities Podcast. We are so grateful that you have chosen to spend part of your day with us. We are praying that God speaks to you through this message from our pastor, Robert Russell. For more information about our church, visit cctri.org. Enjoy the message.
1: Let's pray together. Lord, we do ask that you would come To each of us personally this morning, whether here in this room or those watching online, that you would speak to us individually, that we would hear your voice, know that you do love us, that you are our healer, that you have plans and purposes, that no matter what we've been through, you never leave us, you never forsake us. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would just engulf each one of us with your presence. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we began this series last week entitled Begin Again. And the reason for the series itself is that we as a staff had come to a place of an awareness that God is doing something new among us as a church and it is time for celebration to begin again. That the last couple of years have made things challenging, sometimes tumultuous, difficult for not only individuals but for churches as well. And yet, I think in the middle of this, God is doing something very good. I had said at the start of this year that I believe he is shaking, he is testing, and he is sifting. That is, he's shaking the world, he's testing individuals, and he is sifting, separating out those who truly seek him and follow him from those who are pretenders. And that he's calling us to be people who are genuine in our faith, walking with him. That this beginning again is a fresh, good work of God, empowering us for his purposes in what may well be the last days. And the foundation for this teaching is in Isaiah chapter 43 where he says, Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past, see I am doing a new thing. Now, I mentioned last week that it doesn't mean that we are to forget everything from the past. We are to remember very clearly God's faithfulness in our lives. This is why I told the Israelites to set up stones of remembrance or to tell the stories of his faithfulness to the generations that would come thereafter. That that we are to dwell upon, think about his faithfulness. But we are not to get caught up dwelling upon the things of the past that were negative maybe our own sin and which leads to guilt and shame rather than recognizing we are forgiven we're not to dwell upon the mistakes of their past nor are we to dwell upon the things that were so good as if what occurred in the past is the only good thing and there's nothing new or good that's still in store That if you get caught up too much in reflecting upon the past, it will certainly inhibit you in seeing the good thing that God is doing today. And notice the scripture says, I'm doing a new thing, do you not perceive it? You see, I think for some, they do not. That they do not recognize and perceive the good thing that God is doing in their lives Yet he can make a way, as the scripture says, in the desert or in the wasteland, in a difficult setting, he can do something very, very good. Now this week what we want to talk about is beginning again in relationships. Now I mentioned this to some extent last week because I asked the question for each one of us, where might you need to begin again? And, of course, the greatest relationship, the most important relationship, is with you and Christ. Perhaps you need a fresh beginning there. That you realize you have been on the path that is not God's will for your life. Or perhaps you've just gradually drifted away in your focus and you need to begin again. And then also, I mentioned last week, that for all of us, there may well be at least one if not many relationships in your life that need a new beginning maybe with your spouse maybe with one of your children with a parent with an old friend with an extended family member maybe with a coworker maybe there's a coworker that you got along well with for years but something happened and it's been a difficult time for with them for a long time Maybe you need to be the one to initiate reconciliation. But perhaps there are many ways in which we need to begin again. In fact, I'm asking the question to myself as I'm going through this series. And I think God has clearly showed me some places where I need to begin again. In reflecting upon this, the scripture does say in John that we are to be people who reflect the love of Christ. Jesus said, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. And he says, By this all men will know that you are my disciples. Now, if we are honest, is it true that all people would recognize that we are disciples of Christ by our love for one another? In fact, in the church very often it is the inflicted wounds of so-called friendly fire that are the most painful in other words people who should be showing you the most love and kindness who gossip about you hurt you in some way do things that are ungodly and do not reflect the love of Christ that it would be nice if we lived in a perfect world where Everyone truly loved God, loved one another unconditionally, put others before themselves, and life was filled with joyous, happy relationships that just overflowed all of the time, that is, overflowed with love. Now, probably you have some of those, certainly I have have, have had in the past and do have now, Relationships that are just overflowing with love, a place of peace and joy. But we do know that relationships can be a struggle because we are all fallen people. And sometimes somebody else is having a struggle loving you, even if you don't recognize it. Now, in Scripture, you could easily go back and forth and find lots of examples of people not loving one another very well. And it starts right at the beginning with Cain and Abel. I mean, here, the first brothers couldn't love each other because of jealousy and covetousness and things of that nature. And as a consequence, Cain killed Abel. And if you look at the history of humanity, this has been repeated over and over and over and over on the scale of millions, literally, if you think of World War II or something like that. That there is something in the hearts of human beings that can be so selfish and so wicked as to disregard and disrespect the life of another. And as I said, we could just go in a lot of places in Scripture and find examples. Take Joseph and his brothers. That they were jealous of him. He was prideful, obviously. But their brotherly love was, first they were going to kill him, then they said, no, we'll just throw him in a cistern. And then they thought, no, better yet, we'll sell him. So they sold him into slavery. Of course, you know the rest of the story. God was with them, and Joseph was faithful to God, but still, it reflected brothers who had a heart that was wicked. Now, it would be nice if all of us, grew up in family situations where there was love for Christ in the family, where our parents loved one another, where they modeled a love for Christ so well that you just wanted to have whatever they had, that you would easily learn what it meant to walk with God, transition into your own personal relationship with Christ, and love would just overflow In you, through you, in your family. But in my experience, and I don't have statistical data on this, and it may be rather impossible to get, but in my experience, I would say that only about 10%, maybe 20% at the most of people come from families where there's a really strong, healthy example of both parents loving God, loving each other, and loving all of their children in an equal, unconditional fashion. In fact, I'll I'll ask. How many of you would say that that is the model you saw in your home where both of your parents loved God? Not just that they were religious, but that they loved God. That they loved each other, and they showed equal, unconditional love for each child in the household how many of you saw that model that's a little higher than I expected but still yet I think that was the minority in this room that it would be nice if we all came from that background but a lot of us come from backgrounds that are far more broken And you see, if you did the same little survey that I just stated in the general population, well, that number would decline radically. In fact, the mere fact that so many here could raise their hands are probably a reflection of the fact that some parents passed on the mantle of walking with Christ very well. But many people have a different experience. For many, it's broken and damaged in some way. Now, we have a group of people who are going to come and share, and we're going to talk about relationships. Some good, some struggles, and how God works in those situations to heal, to restore, to do new things, fresh things. To start with, we have a video from a young lady who's willing to share about her healthy journey, what it's been like for her to be in a family where she saw the love of Christ.
2: My earliest childhood memory is just always when I was younger, hanging out with my mom, dad, and my sister, always laughing, um, being with each other and having just a great time. As a baby, um, I was probably very like rambunctious. I'm, A people person now so I probably tried to talk a lot even though it probably didn't make any sense Um, but I think I was just a super happy baby and a fun baby so whenever I would get in trouble um, my parents always the first thing they would do was sit me down and talk to me about like what I had done wrong and like trying to learn like what can I do to fix what I had done wrong and definitely just like you know making sure that they like they would always let me know that they still love me and that um, that they're always there for me, like no matter what. So I've always had a relationship with my parents where I feel like in a difficult situation, um, I can always turn to them and, you know, ask them for guidance and what they would have done or what they think I should do. So that's been something that's really helped me. And um, life is always having them to turn on and be like, "Hey, what should I do here?" And so they've been great help with that. Um, so I think it's really easy to see God as a good father, and He's just given us uh, so much to be thankful for. So the way my mom raised me, um, she was always there for me and I always felt like I could confide in her and like trust her with anything. And so, like I said, like she's always been there, her and my dad have always been there for me. So I think it really, like I can look at God as an example and be like, you know, he never leaves, like no matter what you do, he will always be there. Um, So I think that's an awesome way to kind of compare how my mom was there and even my dad and um, see that God is always there too. From my childhood home, I would definitely say um, I'm a very personable person. I love to talk to people and just form great relationships with people and really like form a bond there. So I think that's something that I've taken out in the world is to really get to know people and love on people no matter what the circumstances and um, just kind of be like their support system and always know that someone is there and that they should always try to find the joy in things even though it might not always be the best
1: situation. That's Carter Henry. Her family attends here. Carter volunteers in various areas. She's an intern in the children's ministry. First time I ever had a significant conversation with Carter was several years ago during a camp we had in the summertime, and we were sitting around having lunch. And I talked to her, and I thought she was in college. I just did. And then I asked her where she went to school, and she said, well, I'm a freshman at Central. I'm like, what? What? And what it did to me, though, was reflect how mature and secure and stable she was, willing to talk to an adult that she really didn't know, which is a reflection of what was just shared in that video of how her parents had built love and courage and strength into her. But not everybody has that experience. Some of you, when you hear a story like that, you think, my heart longed for that, but it never was there. I'd like to have seen the love of Christ displayed in my home. And so we're going to talk. Many of you know everybody here, but if not, this is Lee Sexton, who works in our women's ministry. She's been a part of Celebration for many years, oversees women's ministry as well as some other things here. And then, of course, Hedy, who does family ministry. And then Louis Britz, who gave up a promising career as a bullfighter to become a worship leader. And... uh, That's a little known fact about him. Actually, it was a promising career as a lawyer that he became a worship leader. But uh, they're gonna share about some things in their journey of life. And Lee, I'll start with you and ask you to tell us a little bit about your family of origin and what experiences you had and how that affected you.
3: Okay, well um, I grew up in a small town in West Virginia Um, When I mean small town, like one stoplight, really small. So everybody knew everybody, everybody knew everybody's business. And um, my parents um, got married at a very young age right out of high school and had me uh, immediately after that and were married for seven years. And um, it wasn't the best marriage. Um, There was some fighting and some alcohol uh, on my dad's part involved. And um, so, uh, when I was in third grade, they divorced. And um, my dad really did not know how to love. Um, We found out later in life that he had carried guilt around that uh, he had thought that him um, an illness that he had had caused his father to pass away in a trucking accident when he was two years old. And so he really did not know how to love. He did not know how to show up or to be uh, what um, any child needs and especially a girl for their dad. Um, so my parents divorced when I was in third grade and then my mom um, started dating another gentleman in the town. And um, when he got divorced, his wife um, decided to leave and left him with three sons. So I was an only child, the princess of the land, and um, my mom started dating this guy who had three sons. And so they did their very best to mesh our families and dated for several years to make sure we were all ready. and sold everything that we had from both homes and built a home and so we could all come together as one. Um, But you can imagine being the only child and then having three instant brothers in our teenage years was quite always an adventure. (laughs) There was never a dull moment. And um, I was a Christian at that time, but I really was not um, in a relationship with the Lord. And So, I um, really wanted that from my dad, and I always wanted him to show up at things, and he never would, and just to be there um, for me, and, and he just wasn't.
1: So, reflecting back upon your early life as an adult, what do you think were the wounds or the voids that were in your heart, and how did you deal with those?
3: Probably the biggest was rejection and um, just wanting to be accepted uh, from people. And I think just that constant rejection that I felt from my earthly father. I did not understand how uh, anybody could, could love me like I deserved to be loved. And so um, as far as dealing with those, I think I was a people pleaser and uh, over overachieved in, in areas or tried to. Um, uh, just to get that acceptance and that love. And all along, I was getting it when from my mom and Lonnie, my stepdad. Um, you know, they were always supportive of, of me, and, and I was getting that, but I didn't see it, I don't think. And I don't think I really saw that until my relationship with the Lord started to grow. And then I saw um, just how blessed I was and, and not only to have um, uh, now a model of, of a pretty healthy family and a father figure, um, but also for everything that I had gone through. Um, in, in my 20s, it allowed me to minister to a lot of young girls and uh, women that, you know, were still longing for that as well. So that was that was huge. And, and a turning point in my life was when my relationship with the Lord started to grow stronger and I saw how the rejection from my earthly father was not um, what the Lord had for me and that he had replaced that with Lonnie.
1: Now, Hetty does a lot of counseling in her uh, parenting ministry and her family ministry. And so you've seen a lot of people who've been wounded in different ways, some like Lee's story, some different... How do people tend to respond to that, deal with it? What it? How does it affect them in relationships?
0: You see the opposite of what Carter just showed us. Um, she could take erection, she can, she can reach out to other people, she can ask for input, she can be vulnerable, she can share mistakes without a fear that that means she's gonna be unloved. Um, but when people don't have that foundation of a secure relationship, all of those things become difficult. Conflict is difficult. Correction is not taken. They blame instead of taking responsibility, instead of bonding in, in open and vulnerable relationships, they feel they have to push people away. So you see this pattern of, of wanting to be loved but not being able to allow it, like you described with your biological father. So they push people away and and hurt others but then come and say i just want to be loved but because they haven't learned how to be vulnerable and and close with others it's hard for them to figure it out and it's not always the result of sin or a parent being unideal sometimes it's circumstances like a mother's illness and that bonding that should happen in the first 18 months of life doesn't happen or um, just overwhelm, life being difficult, both parents needing to work hard outside the home and just that, that ability to be present for their children um, is undermined. And so we shouldn't look at it as always a result of bad parenting. Sometimes it's just hard circumstance that causes it. I mean, even colicky babies often have a problem with bonding early in life because Um, so much of the interaction is loaded with frustration of the parents and that is perceived by the child as rejection when it really isn't it's just we need sleep (laughs) we're humans and some of that translates so um, the fall has has an impact Um, and then people bring that to a counseling situation and of course there's hope
1: now there is the let us say wide extremes of some really really healthy families and then some really fractured families Far worse than even what Lee went through. But there's no perfect family. And for all of us, we're probably in a place of having to grow and understand what does it mean to have really healthy relationships as Christ would want us to do. Where we're vulnerable, where we love other people unconditionally. It's not easy for a lot of people. Louis, tell us about your family background and how that might have impacted you.
4: I, I come from a happy, unhappy home. When, uh, when my mom recently died two weeks ago, she and my dad had been married 60 years. So you know, that's an incredible marriage and we do honor them so much for their loyalty to each other. But the interesting thing is that as my sisters and I were growing up, we would so often say to each other, we wish they would get divorced. Because it was a, it was a, a loyal home, but it was an unhappy one very, very often. Um, my, my dad is a very soft-spoken, uh, very patient. He, he's like that guy in X-Men with the elastic arms. He's just holding everybody together. And he had to do that because my mom was like a tsunami. Um, she would love us very much. Like, I had a heart problem growing up, and she sat up with me many, many nights. She literally saved my life. Just, you know, not giving up until the right medical attention was had, which in South Africa at the time was very hard. Um, She fostered my talent and drove me to so, so many lessons because I was an artistic child. So I knew that loving, incredible parent. But she also, some days, many days, when we got home from school, she'd be yelling and cussing and throwing stuff around, and incredible verbal abuse toward all of us and my dad. And growing up with that, that's what caused us to go, gosh, you know, why does dad put up with us? And it hurt us so much. And the worst thing was the insecurity. You know, when you got home from school, you didn't know, was mom going to be the good fairy or was she going to be the wicked witch? And when I say the wicked witch, I mean really bad. And that kind of insecurity in a relationship traumatized us and left different kind of scars in all three of us, my sisters and I. And we wear them to this day. And, I, you know, God healed me of so much of it, especially through understanding because... Um, of course, when you're young, you don't know what's going on. You don't know what makes your mom like that. But it all came out when I, when I radically came to Jesus and my mom threw me out the house. And when I went into ministry, and my mom threw me out of the house again. And when I said, I want to marry this godly woman, she threw me out the house again, which that was just wisdom, of course. But the, the other two, <laughs> I was setting you up for that. No. Um, and what came out at that point was my mom then divulged what was true all the years, like when she was six years old, her mom left her dad for his brother. And his brother ended up abusing her and her little sister a lot. Chased her around the house with a knife. And of course, they were all elders in the church. So her idea of Christians and Christianity was fake people who abuse you. So uh, after Hetty had been raped, and- Uh, our robbery she started talking about that and one time she used the example that you know when a when your stove burns you when you lean against it it's pain but it's not trauma because that's what a stove does but when your fridge burns you that's trauma because it's the least expected thing and that's what happened to me growing up and at those times that's what happened to my mom as well you know when somebody is very close to you as close as a mother and that person hurts you and leaves you in a place where you don't know does she love you or is she going to hurt you and verbally abuse you to, to hell that day? Um, that insecurity really traumatized me, and that was kind of the situation.
1: Now, I think it's important that if you have a relationship with somebody that's very difficult, as you had with your mom growing up, it could be one extreme or the other. It is important to try to understand that person. What is it that's in their heart? And for a long time, you didn't know, but she had a lot of bitterness and unforgiveness, particularly against church people. And so anything that you had to do with church to her was just the opposite of what she wanted for your life. How did she try to cope with that? What was her mechanism? She was completely
4: unable to cope with it because it never healed we continued to pray for her to be healed, but she had narcissistic tendencies as well. So she always just swore that she, there was nothing wrong with her and that it was everybody else that were at fault. Now, of course, when she was a kid growing up, that was true. But uh, she never owned her, her pain. And for that reason, we kept on trying to send her to people and get her to just see, Mom, you need help. But that's, like he would tell you as well, that's the, 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 the only person you can't help is somebody who says, I don't need it. And so she just kept on breaking people more and more, um, and I learned through that, you know, a wounded person wounds people, a broken no matter how much she loved us, there were just these many, many times that she was out of control, and she never meant to hurt us. And that's what made it, like you said, once I understood, it was easy to forgive her, because I knew, oh, mom wasn't born that way, she was made that way, And she just never healed. so um, Of course, we got along better, and it was nice in these later years as she would watch our services online and make, you know, spiritual comments, We could see God working with her. And on her deathbed when I was able to pray for her, it was the first time I was able to pray for her because she couldn't talk back or shut my mouth. And it was amazing to see the emotions on her face as I prayed for her, for her to give up control. because. Because of so many people hurting her, the biggest thing for her was, I need to be in control. And of course, at that point, I said, mom, now you have to give control to God. He's really, he's won this battle. Come on, just give it up. So that's kind of how that went.
1: Eddie, for people like Louis or Lee, they grow up, they get married, and they may have this idealistic perspective that their spouse is gonna make the world perfect, but they probably have some things to work to, through in their own heart in order for there to be a healthy relationship.
0: Yes, because what typically happens is people with opposite styles of engaging in relationship or what they call attachment styles feel attracted to each other. So now you have a person who is open and and able to share because they come from a secure environment, marrying somebody who is so afraid of conflict that the conversations break down completely. That was our story. Because Louis knew conflict would always lead to abuse. That was his program. My program was people talk nicely to each other and solve things. Um, but whenever I brought an issue up, Louis would either withdraw, which would make me explode, and then he goes, mm, There's my mother. And then we go in the loop. So. Um,
4: I had the perfect
1: plan do not speak for a week. <laughs> <clears throat> That's how you responded to conflict? You would hide? Yeah. yeah.
0: And the more he hit, the more desperate I became. So I would become more aggressive. And you see that if somebody comes from a home where they had this anxious attachment style, where they where they were needy and clingy, and and couldn't get the parent to to give enough emotionally, they would often marry somebody who's avoidant and, and who, who doesn't want somebody close to them. And who, doesn't want to talk and doesn't want to open up their hearts so it becomes extremely frustrating but that's a gift god gives because at some point that pushes you to get help and then we can heal both people because just because you come from a secure home like carter doesn't mean you're going to be able to deal with difficult relationships because you have had no practice at all and all of us are going to have situations if not in childhood then later where people are going to betray us hurt us be unfair to us where we're going to experience trauma so all of us at some point need to learn how to deal with people who are not like us and who don't attach like us who don't bond like us
1: i think part of growing as a christian maturing as a christian is learning to love people that you find difficult so you may want everybody around you to be easy and like you and but then God will bring into your life somebody who is a challenge. But it's partly for you to help them heal, but for you to grow to love as Christ would love. Now, your family background, though, was pretty healthy. Is that right, Hetty?
0: Yes. Um, my parents both loved the Lord. And they loved the Lord from before <laughs> when I was there. And uh, um, I think motherhood was hard for my mom, um, because she had three kids in 18 months. So if you do the math, you'll figure out there, there's a set of twins in there. Um, I have a twin brother. And uh, we were born 18 months after my oldest brother. And it was overwhelming to her. So there was stress in the house for a long time. Um, because my dad worked two jobs outside of the house, and my mom felt like a single parent most days of the week. Um, my dad was, is sweet and loving and gracious, and also a very strict disciplinarian. Um, so I grew up with what I think is an unfair advantage, the ability to work within boundaries, but also to receive grace, because he taught me both of those, both of those things. Um, they are both, well, my mom's 79, my dad's turning 81, and they are um, devoted and dedicated to each other. So I've seen that model of how to bond. Um, I didn't see a lot of conflict, so I didn't know how to solve it. <laughs> it always happened in, the, in whisper tones behind closed doors. Um, but I saw a lot of love and respect and affection.
1: Now, I do think, regardless of your background, whether it's been very difficult or it's been very healthy, God's going to give you things to help you grow. But one of the more beautiful things I've seen is that he's always in the business of restoring and healing. So how would you say, Lee, that God worked healing in your life to give you a sense of wholeness, of love? What did he do?
3: Um, well, first, I, I think counseling is huge <laughs> uh, to help you work through all that. So in my early 20s, I realized the need to start seeing a Christian counselor. and. Um, just showed me and opened up a lot of things that I didn't even really know were issues, but they were kind of the issues that were blocking the complete healing to happen. So uh, that's probably the the first place um, where I saw healing. The second place is I began to pray for my dad, um, not as a dad, but as a man that needed Jesus. Um, I grieved my dad, for many, many years, um, and uh, just the, you know, for him not being who who he needed to be. But when that when that turned in my mind to not have the expectation of him because he was not capable of it, um, and to start praying for him as a man who needed Jesus as a savior, um, that changed a lot and gave me a lot of grace. Um, God used my husband, Jamie, uh, to strengthen my dad and I's relationship in some ways. Um, he really loved Jamie and opened up a lot of a lot of different things, a lot of past hurts that I had no idea about. Um, so I think healing became there. Um, my dad did pass away about five years ago, and I literally laid over him in ICU and prayed for his salvation, that if, um, you know, there was any way, and I don't know that he... Except the Lord. He was unconscious at that point. But um, but when, when he did pass away, my grief was so different because I was grieving the what should have been. And I think there's so many people that can get that, that, um, you know, the could have been, should have been. And, and I had so many hopes that he would be the person for my kids, that he wasn't for me. And none of that happened. So uh, my grief was really different but um, I also had no regrets I mean I had spoke to him about the Lord and um, so I think a lot of healing just worked its way through that and um, and then just to really see what the Lord has blessed me with uh, he's blessed me with a model of a, of a great family loving parents a loving husband and there's healing in that and and Also, not wanting the generational curse of not being able to love to be passed on to my children. I do not want that.
1: Now, you mentioned Lonnie earlier, who is your stepdad, but he came into your life pretty young and was a really healthy model of Christ to you. And so, to me, I've seen that in other situations where God will bring somebody to restore the years that the locusts have eaten away, the way the scripture refers to it. That uh, he treats you not as a stepdaughter, but as a daughter today. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
3: And shows me the love of Christ.
1: Yeah. How did you find healing from what you'd walked
4: through, Louis? Yeah, unfortunately, sir, as you can gather, restoration in my family didn't ever happen. My mom died without um, without that, and you, you pray for it. Uh, but but sometimes it's not possible. Um, and so that, that kind of restoration wasn't what helped me. Um, I, I restored through Christian family, through the Lord telling me, what binds you and your blood family is only your blood, but you can find people who are bound by the blood of Christ and it can be real and authentic. Um, and I had a hard time trusting that because of my mom and. You know, I was afraid of allowing these Christians close because what if that fridge burns me as well? And so many people have that kind of testimony where they were so deeply hurt by Christians. Um, so for, for a long time, I loved my ministry because I could just perform and leave and keep the people far away from me. And I, I dug that because I, I knew as long as I kept relationships shallow, I was kind of safe from getting hurt. And Hedy joined a home group and it was years before I joined it as well. So interesting was I of Christians. And only when I saw that they were faithful to her, I joined as well. And that became for 10 to 12 years, I think my place of healing, realizing and understanding that God, when he told one of his disciples, that's your mom and that's your son, he meant it. When in the time of Christ, you know, when you came a follower of Jesus, your whole family who were, you know, Orthodox Jews rejected you. So the whole notion that your Christian family is your real family, and that's where most of my restoration, almost all of it took place. All the rest of it was in, in forgiving my mom and God doing an incredible work of healing. And I know that it's Christ because my sister, who came out the same house as me. She's 57 now, and she never joined the Christian family. She never met Christ. And she's as broken today as she was the day when she left our, our house. And I'm the opposite, and I just thank God for, for bringing me to the place where I allowed Christians close enough. And there's an interesting statistic that I just learned now in South Africa from a ministry friend where he said people in small groups are 60% more likely to a year from now be still as much in love with Christ as they are today. That's how much restoration and healing there is in these relationships. It's really God's way.
1: Now, I do think regardless of what brokenness any person has gone through at any point in life that God... Is in the business of restoring that healing that but there can be things in our hearts that serve as barriers Eddie how have you seen things that inhibited people in their healing or then how did they find breakthroughs to come to a place of wholeness
0: I think Robert I see people either taking too much responsibility for the brokenness Believing the lies that they must have been too much. they There must be something unlovable, foundationally wrong with them. Or um, that if they had done things differently, then, they, then their mom wouldn't be so angry. Or their dad would be more involved. Or their dad would stay. Um, and then they get caught up in that because that's not something they can change. But they believe those lies. Or they take no responsibility at all and say, well, my, my dad was an alcoholic, so... I can't do relationships, or my mom didn't love me, so I don't trust people. So they accept that as a diagnosis that they can't move through, where really God gives us these patterns of community um, healing, of healing that even happens in our, in our marriages, like it did for all three of us here. And also that path of forgiveness, um, that once we can understand that there are no perfect people, But parents, in fact, we just end up making the opposite mistakes to what our parents did. Um, We don't do any better. (laughs) We just do it differently. Um, And when we have grace for them and grace for ourselves, um, we can absolutely heal. I met a lady in the lobby one day here at Celebration, maybe 10 years ago. She's a beautiful woman who responded to my testimony and said that she was a victim of satanic ritual abuse. And... And I thought, but how can you be so evidently whole and joyful and open? And she said that that all happened in her marriage. She married a spectacularly godly man who just patiently waited for her to heal over 15 years. And and so God can send those people. He can send those healing relationships. And And this is, I think, what the dream is for celebration to be, for us as a church to be a, a place of healing, it's in our mission statement, it's in our vision, that's what we want. And of course, that means we're asking people to be very brave. Because if like Lou, you've only seen closeness produces pain and vulnerability, to to then have to trust a whole new set of people. And um, I've heard this phrase that says, come all the way in, sit all the way down and open all the way up as a way to really explain the kind of Christian community that um, we all desire and need for our healing. But man, it's, it's such a risk to do that, to come all the way in, to not just sit in the back row, to sit all the way down, which means to, to get close to people and to really start sharing your life with them. But I don't believe there is any other way really to heal and remain whole than to do that.
1: And I think for all of us, it is wise to give a self-assessment and sort of ask, how good am I at relationships? Am I willing to be vulnerable? Am I willing to take risks? Do I share my heart? Do I help others heal? Am I avoiding things I shouldn't avoid in terms of relationships? You see, really, in a fallen world all of us have some struggles like that even if you came from a very healthy family background and regardless of where you are in life I mean maybe you've been married 50 years but like Louis's parents really still had a lot that they could have grown in in terms of relationships And maybe you need to ask yourself could our relationship begin again Could it be fresh, new? Could it be better than it's been in the past? Now, I think Lee mentioned something very important. That is that she did not want to see the woundedness that she had experienced passed on to the next generation, to her children. And she made a wise choice in a husband. I I told her the first day I met him was here. and, And after I talked to him, I thought, he's a keeper. And But the most wise part of that choice is he loves God. And the two of you have tried to model that to your children. I believe any person, any generation, can be the generation that stops it. But I've also seen in a lot of people a generational stronghold that goes on for years and years and years and years. See, like Louis talked about, the affliction upon his mother was really due to her mother's adultery that that, str- that stronghold was started right there. And she was so young, she didn't know how to deal with it at the time. What she needed to do later was learn to forgive and let go of the bitterness and those things, but she had a struggle in that. But you see, any stronghold can be passed to the next generation and the next and the next, and when the Scripture talks about the sins of the fathers go to the third and the fourth generation, that's really very easy. But it's... Somewhat hard work to stop it. But in the power of Christ and in the work of the Holy Spirit, you certainly can. And it's amazing, really, how much God will bring healing and wholeness and blessing. One of the perhaps most important things he does, though, too, in that process is take wherever you are wounded, heal it, in the process of healing, use you to help others find the same healing. And that's sort of what you alluded to earlier in your life and, of course, continuing to do so. And some of us want to hide and act as if we don't have a problem and we know we do. We just don't want anybody else to find out about it. sometimes it's the talking about it that is part of your healing that is a blessing to others. And if you think about it, Christian counseling is great. We have some Christian counselors here in the church that are helpful, but there are just not enough even remotely close Christian counselors to help everybody. What you really need is just somebody to talk to and be honest and open. It's amazing how just talking to a wise follower of Christ can be a real place of healing for you. Well, do you have any last things you'd like to share, any of you?
4: Just that, um, as a team, we've been speaking so much as uh, in the spiritual war because when we speak about these things, what we, we, you know, we don't think of it in terms of the spiritual war, but we've really seen how, how the enemy's strategy is to isolate people, how isolation has become a massive strategy for him. And through COVID, we, we saw physical isolation and we felt what it was like to only be able to see each other online and six feet away. But we also see what we're talking about today is you can be in a house but still be isolated. You can be in a church and still be isolated, and and the decision is yours, and it's a tough one. But you really understand that it's the devil who wants to isolate us as Christians, and there's healing and spiritual growth and discipleship only in relationship. So, we have to identify the strategy of the enemy and literally work against it as Christians to understand the fullness of what God has for us.
0: I just see God also giving so many redemptive opportunities so that we don't have to wait for the next generation. Because when I look back at my early parenting years, I think I wasn't as emotionally available to my kids as I should have been. Um, I guess a combination of colleague and me always working and being busy and clash, uh, clashing personalities, um, Italy and I didn't bond. I needed counseling and bonding therapy for her to be secure because she had an, what was called an insecure, ambivalent bond with me. She didn't know if I wanted to be her mom. She didn't experience that. Um, and it was something painful to be confronted by that by a therapist saying this is what is going on here this is the dynamic you need to do better you need to do a whole lot better and she taught me how and even then i don't think that i really succeeded very well but in the past few years in in these four years here in the u.s i have experienced god giving a whole new opportunity for me and her to grow closer to catch up some of that lost time um, and to connect in ways we hadn't before. So before you just say, I hope my kids will fix this thing, why don't you and I do it now and ask for God's opportunity to heal relationships that were not optimal? Um, Louis and I have had many patches where our marriage hasn't been good, um, where it has been completely frayed and, and on the edge of divorce. But when we come to God and say, I don't want to give up on this relationship, he does show up and he makes a way because that is his heart. He calls himself by relational names, father, counselor, comforter, prince of peace. Those are relational words. That's who he is at his core. If we bring broken relationships to him, saying, I don't even know how I it, broke it. I don't know how to fix it. We can count on, on his help because that's his will.
1: Mm. Lady, have you any last thing you'd like to share? Um, I, I
3: think just um, how important it is to be real in in your relationships and in, in your friendships and even in the people sitting next to us. I think we come in week after week and think no one would understand or no one could ever have gone through what I've gone through, and then you find out the person sitting right beside of you. And I just really feel like we're uh, in a new season here and. Part of that is just vulnerability and uh, taking those masks, per se, off and and just loving, telling the people around you that you love. My dad didn't tell me he loved me until I was a senior in high school on senior night. And it's so weird. Jamie and I will talk about how his dad told him 50 times a day he loved him and how different, you know, our lives and that opposite, you know, attraction, like you said. Um, so I don't... I want to be a person that that shows that love, not only to my family, but to to the people that I'm around, and that they can see that there is hope, and God does restore.
1: Well, I appreciate all of you sharing. I hope God used something that was said to speak to you individually. I do want to say that I think it's never too late. Maybe you've had a fractured relationship with somebody in your family for years and years and years and years. But I think it's never too late. In fact, I've seen situations where maybe the last few years of somebody's life, it was the best relationship they ever had after somebody had taken the step of reconciliation or repentance or something. So maybe you're at a place where you think, I don't know what could ever be done. Maybe you need to be the person to take the step and say it's not too late. And see how God works supernaturally to bring healing and wholeness. But I thank each of you for sharing today. Just have one last thing I would like to share. I believe that God desires for us to experience love in relationship with him abundantly. That's why the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. It's not a duty, an obligation. It's a relationship where you experience love with him. But then the second commandment is to love your neighbor. And that's likewise something very similar. If you went through this life and tried to love God all alone, like you were not around anybody else, and just tried to love God by yourself, you might experience some health in that relationship, but you're going to miss a lot. In fact, I believe much of the way that God reveals love To us is through other people. That it's how we learn what this scripture says. That we might know how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. That his love is so great that he can heal and restore anything, any brokenness in your life. He can redeem it. He can do a new and fresh work in you and use you as an agent of love to other people. I have to say this. I've mentioned Arcadius a lot in the last few months, last few years. And I said that I'm learning a lot from him. One of the things that I've learned is how what I thought was fairly interesting insignificant, was enormous to him. In other words, when I said, could I be your spiritual father, I really didn't grasp the magnitude of what I was saying. To me, it was just, can I help you out? There was a guy who had never, ever in his entire life seen the love of a man except for the other homeless man on the street who protected him when he was between the age of three and four who let him survive and see to me it wasn't a big deal but to him it's been enormous and I've trying to be more fully aware of that well to you it may not seem like a big deal to take some step to bring healing and wholeness in somebody else's life. To help somebody along the way. But it might be enormous. Might be the most important thing they encounter. And so you can easily be an agent of the depth and height Of the love of God so as we go through this series about beginning again I think in many many respects it is primarily about relationships how can you maybe you're at a place where you say I can't think of a relationship that's not healthy But then God might well speak to you about how you can make things even better. He's always in the business of conforming you to the likeness of Christ, making you more like Him. So that means He's always doing something good and healthy. Well, let us pray together. Lord, for every person here, you know our journey, you know our wounds. Our frailties I pray that you would help us to be open and honest and vulnerable pray that you would bring healing forgiveness for any person here who has bitterness in their heart that they would be set free for any person watching online who Has seen themselves in some of the negative things that we've talked about, that they would repent, turn to you, allow you to transform their lives. For all of us, Lord, I pray that we would grow in relationship with you and with others, that we would be more like you. I pray that strongholds would be broken. Relational strongholds, strongholds of fear, anger, even a violent attitude or heart or actions. I pray where there's disobedient rebellion against you, Lord, and sinful behavior, that it would be broken. That people would humble themselves and surrender to you. And I pray this in Christ's name.
0: We hope that you enjoyed this podcast and that it blessed you in some way. Don't forget to visit our website at cctri.org. And make sure that you send us your prayer requests at office at cctri.org. We pray that the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace
3: as you trust in him.